Hi everybody, I'm Mike Hancock, the Chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group of Companies, and welcome to today's call. And I'll be interested to see with the people we've got live on the call today, exactly how you resonate with some of the topics that we're going to be talking about on the call today, because I'm really going to be talking about something that's more consciousness-based and very energetic. So without further ado, let's jump into it. So when I say without further ado, let's jump into it. Let's actually bring up the slides first. Mike would be very useful for you to do before you actually go and try and share them to actually open the slide deck. So this is the construct of energy, duality, and the music of business, not the business of music, which is very, very different, but this is the music of business. So we're going to jump straight in here and get right to the, right to the start. So duality. Um, the Papyrus of Ani, otherwise known as the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and if you ever come to my house, you'll see a... Actually, I think I've got it in the octopus house now in the office. You'll see the full transcript there of the Papyrus of Ani. It's one of the most sacred bits of ancient writing ever and in there it is essentially well it's as you can see by the date it's 3250 years old or 3270 years old now um, but essentially it is the works of the death of an individual generally noble and what happens after that but in there there is something called the negative confession a negative confession is probably the first documented um, in history real celebration of duality or polarity. And the negative confession is about 42 sins that you haven't committed during your life. So the basis here, if you look at the picture on the right, you'll see Horace. He's guiding the dead soul as they start to go on their journey into the cave of Sobek, the crocodile god. And then you go through the 12 hours of the duat. And the 12 hours of the duet are duality. And those 12 hours, basically, there is a, a rite of passage, like a mission that you have to do that happens each hour. So you have to fight off the crocodiles, you know. Then the, the mermaids come in and try and entice you out of your boat, your solar boat, as you're floating through here to the afterlife. Once you get through those 12 hours, then you pop out on the other side and then you meet with Anubis, who takes your heart and puts it on a scale and puts a white feather on the other end of the scale. And if your heart outweighs the feather, then you're going down. But if your feather outweighs your heart, then you're going up. That's essentially um, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. But what's really interesting about this is the duality comes in what they call the negative confession. So... It's an interesting uh, juxtaposition when you look at the ancient world because essentially for you to proceed, you have to um, say that you haven't done these 42 things. Like, and they're very similar to, um, you know, to the Ten Commandments. They're just expanded, okay? So 10 to 42, if you like. So you have to convince the people that you haven't done these things therefore it's confession but they call it a negative confession which is the duality now let's look at that because we take that right back all those 3250 years ago and we're going to move it forward into something else duality as we see it today i call it two sides of the coin you know heads or tails this is that some of the dualities that we're looking at in our life at the moment 
male and female. They're two dualities, yin and yang, in and out, black or white, binary code, the one and zero, which is the basis of all computer systems, day and night, good and evil, love and hate, alive or dead. Now, interestingly, as we look at today's world, are these things really set in concrete today? So I'm interested in your opinion. I mean, I know in Australia now, um, and I was talking to somebody recently, in Australia there are now 17 prepositions on the Australian census of what sex you can be. So you're no longer male or female, you have 17 choices of what you can be. So therefore, the duality, the polar opposite, if you like, of male and female, there are many other things inside here. If you look at black and white, there's a large gray area as well, um, which may or may not um, be right for you. Yes, uh, Philippe, that's the I Ching that you'll see on the, on the side there, and I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Good and evil. This comes down to values and moral systems and the way of doing business and, and everything. I mean, the greatest good and evil at the moment is, is Russia evil? And is the Ukraine good? So it's fascinating. I was just reading a Facebook post from a friend of mine who's Ukrainian. A couple of you on the call know him. Um, he's a very well-known speaker around the world. And he basically says that when he was working in Russia a few years ago and was living in Sri Lanka, um, he actually, because of the, what he was sharing in terms of business building and everything, that certain people in the Ukraine were calling him a terrorist and wanted him to be nominated as a terrorist against the state. But for the last two years, he's been doing nothing but working in the Ukraine. And guess what? His Russian clients were nominating him as a terrorist against Russia. So now he says technically he's a terrorist against both. If you look at his Facebook profile at the moment, it's got the Russian flag and the Ukrainian flag with blood across both of them. So there's no, is the black or white? Is there good and evil? And what we must do is we must use more than anything before our own hearts and our own thoughts and our own beliefs, of which I, of course, won't try and shape those for you in any way whatsoever, to make decisions about what's the duality that we're living in in our life at the moment and what is right for us. And, you know, it's fascinating. I know a, a number of people are very anti-Russia at the moment and, Yet Lundy's brother has a Russian girlfriend um, who lives in South Africa with him. And she's seen, you know, no downside whatsoever from people in South Africa as to being Russian. But I have Russian friends that are living in Europe that are getting a really hard time for being Russian. So it's interesting to see what we choose to align with and what we choose to do at the moment. Because duality, which is the polar opposites, north and south is another one. This is not quite as absolute as what I think it was when I was a child. I definitely believe that it's a lot less absolute now, and it's up to all, all of us to actually look at this differently. Philippe, you're right, nobody's a prophet in their own land, and yet the outside of that is go somewhere where you're celebrated. So, for instance, Arjun, we have you on the, sorry, Shazar, we have you on the call here. You know, nobody probably looks twice at you when you walk down the street in Western Australia. Yet, uh, you know, when you go to India, you're very much celebrated these days. Um, duality is struggling to stay in power. That's very, very interesting. So over here on the right, and Philippe picked this up, 
uh, I put down the hexagram. Now, a hexagram comes from the I Ching, which is the oldest, well, one of the oldest books in the world, along with the Egyptian Book of the Dead and a couple of others. The, uh, the I Ching goes back to around uh, 3000 BC, so it's older than the Egyptian Book of the Dead, 3114 to be exact. And in there, they have essentially the binary code. And I decided I'd use this because on my call last month, I talked about DNA and I talked about um, the relationship of DNA to uh, what's, what is essentially in the I Ching. So, okay, I'm going to give you the example here. Thunder is actually my I Ching symbol. The, um, the two lines that you'll see at the top are the split lines. They're yin and the one thick line is yang. That's how it's delineated uh, in the I Ching. So if you have a thick line, like you'll see the third line down and the bottom line down, that is a yang line. And the other four lines are yin lines. So when you look at the first three, that's what's called a trigram in the I Ching. And that makes part of your personality. But once you add up the, the hexagram and you add the whole lot, then you basically get 64 different types of people, which goes with the strands in DNA, as I spoke about last month. I decided I'd choose my um, hexagram, which is the one that uh, when I do all of the I Ching tests, I come out at, which is a thunder. So those of you that know me well know that I can pretty much like thunder. So sometimes I can scare you. Other times um, you actually enjoy it. And sometimes you want to get behind the noise and rattle it, right? That just happens to be who I am. But each and every one of us is made up of these different levels of um, binary code, if you like, which is our DNA. For instance, if you had all six yang lines here, you would be heaven. And if you had all six of these were yin lines, you would be earth. So heaven as above and earth so below. So now we're dealing with essentially what's happening on the planet at the moment. And from you from a business perspective, which is what I really want to talk about today, is the choices that you have to make. So whether people or situations are good or bad is all a matter of perception in my mind at the moment. And I'd like to actually see what you think and jump into the chat. Let's get some people putting in the chat. What's your feeling at the moment? Are you seeing people differently than you were before? Um, or are you seeing things the same as you did even five years ago? So uh, let's, uh, let's hear from a couple of people. Natasha, I think it's a process of relation, connection, acknowledgement, the power of hand. Okay, so um, if you want to, Natasha, can you actually um, unmute for a second, give us your opinion on what that means? and how that works. So give us some deeper insight. So this, my comment was referring to your previous slide of duality. And I, I just, I, I think it's about this idea of connecting things. So it's not this or that, it's this and that. And it's all of the ways that we're relating and we're connecting and seeking acknowledgement of all of those different spaces within ourselves and projected outward in terms of how we also can relate and connect to those around us as well. Yeah, great comment, really good. And I think, I think I would tend to agree with you as well. Let's see what other people say. Philippe, does thunder connect heaven and earth? I would say no, but here's a, a real interesting insight if you ask Andy. Thunder's often noisy, but thunder can't hurt you. So um, 
lightning can hurt you. That's a different thing, but thunder can't hurt you. It might break your eardrums if you ride underneath it. What may connect heaven and earth a little bit more is a mountain or rain, for instance, if you look at some of the other things in the I Ching. And it's great to study this stuff if you really want to get into philosophy. Shazar, very different. So many people seem to be waking up. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating that I think people are waking up a lot more. But what does waking up actually mean? Um, you know, does it mean that we were listening to, uh, you know, uh, we always listen to some American politics shows at the moment because we're deeply entrenched and we're noticing that the Democrats are really nervous about their own vice president at the moment and want to give her less exposure to the media because it's very, um, you know, American public is wondering whether America will take a stand in the Ukraine and Russia and basically, even some of the, the leading Democrats are saying we can't trust her to say what's right at this stage. So is that waking up? Well, it could be an aspect of waking up. But then I noticed in New Zealand as well, um, you know, the, the beloved leader there has come out with um, she's cutting 75% of petrol tax to help people pay a lot less in petrol. Now, that could be seen as being a good thing, but... It has to be paid for from somewhere or else, uh, you know, you're going to have potholes in New Zealand roads. So, you know, it's all a matter of perception. Let's go to Philippe now. Good and bad also depends on context and more importantly, intention. That's a wonderful statement. So good and bad depends on intention. So when you think, when you're entering, entering into a business deal now, when you're onboarding a new client, when you're doing a strategic partnership, um, would you be safer to ask a few extra questions to try and uncover the intention of somebody for wanting to do this? The answer is probably yes. Shazar perhaps could have said questioning the narratives. Yeah, okay. That's a very popular saying these days, but I also think it's a very, very good saying because there are narratives in, in everything. There's a narrative in what the circle of excellence does. So question the narrative. And I think, um, you know, it's very important to question the narrative these days rather than, than blindly follow. One of the books that I really enjoyed reading just recently, I literally just finished it over the weekend, um, and I can't remember the title um, now, but it was written by uh, a guy who was a star on Treasure Quest Snake Island. And it's a book uncovering Discovery Channel, but none of their um, reality TV shows are real. And he actually gives photos of when they're attacked by crocodiles, that it's actually in a crocodile farm um, in Florida, not in the Bolivian jungle or Argentinian jungle. And they actually had to get the keepers next to them to poke the crocodiles with sticks to get them um, all upset, et cetera, et cetera. And he uncovers everything in this and how Discovery Channel's now suing him for $100 million that he doesn't have, um, but he doesn't care because he thinks that we, the public, are being led astray by reality TV, um, basically not being real. And he says, whilst people go, well, that's a little bit weird, um, you know, he says, when it gets to a point of having model makers make a Inca mask that is then found under a waterfall, and is said to be 500 years old and worth 250,000. And it's on Discovery Channel, whose mantra is the only, um, the only real life television you can trust or something similar to that. He's, he's basically saying 
need to question the narrative. So I, I really agree with that. Shazar. Let's go on to Andrew. Without insight, um, perception is always reality. Well, even with insight, perception is always reality. And I think this is an old statement, um, Andrew, that uh, I'm not sure who taught me this, but I think I learned it in sales many, many years ago. Uh, perception is reality. So the idea in selling is to give people the right perception, not to uncover a false perception. Rowan, how are you? Uh, welcome to the call today. Perception is also based on your background, culture and beliefs. Absolutely. Imprints. Imprints, blind spots, undercurrents and tunnels. EBUT, TM, trademark, right? It's definitely uh, based on your, your imprints. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, recently, just this weekend, we were having a conversation with a guy from Zimbabwe and uh, he was telling us about uh, the tribes, the Undebele in South Africa. And we had to tell him, listen, they didn't come from South Africa. They came from Central Africa. I said, no, they've always been here. We said, no, the Sun people have always been here. Those tribes came down around about the same time the white people came to South Africa. And he said, wow, he never knew that. He was taught in school something else. And we said, okay, go and research it yourself and you'll find it's different. He said, well, that creates a whole different perspective on things. He said, because he thought that the Zulu people were really the first people. We said, no, no, the Zulus actually came uh, from, well, Andy knows the country. I can't remember the country, but came from Central Africa. So perception is based on your background, culture and beliefs. Fantastic. Natasha, I believe it's always good. There's a lesson to be learned in each situation as to why this is so absolutely correct. So with that, let me jump back into, oh, one more message here, Zahaja. Plus, he will make much more from his exposure and viral reels. Yeah, I don't think he will because all of those have been closed down. There's no doubt about that, that basically uh, they've, uh, they've got the people to, to cut him off, which is why he, went, why he went to the book situation. Let's move on to our next slide. Here's another statement for you. The only value in education and experience is to show you the way forward after your intuition lights the way. So I'm interested in finding out from you again, some comments around this statement. So I'm saying the only value in education and experience is to show you the way forward after your intuition lights the way. And it's probably a very different perspective than maybe many of you were taught or grew up with. So let's grab some comments. Let's see what you think about that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What's your opinion? In the meantime, we'll go to an ad break where Mike sips water and looks lovingly at the camera waiting for people to say, I don't agree or I do agree. Shazar, while we're there, I missed your comment here. The war is similar to reality TV. Some of the viral images are actually found to be from video games. So true. The one I saw was actually from the Palestinian war of around about six or seven years ago. So interesting. No one's got a comment about this, so I'm going to leave you to sit with that. We may come back to it later. I want to move there from the basis of duality and the fact that things are not as black and white as they used to be. And really, my point here is about you um, trusting yourself a lot more than what you may have done in the past and trusting your heart, not necessarily trusting what you were taught. 
Um, so Hajar says, just watched an incredible Alan Watch YouTube in this vein. I'll post the link. Thank you. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your definition of intuition? Mike certainly can. And the premise is that we are aligned with intuition. Few people are. Ah, very good, Philippe. So let's deal with that one firstly. Very few people are actually aligned with intuition. I couldn't agree more. And I think our role as human beings, and particularly um, people who I feel are more conscious, like if you're on this call or if you're watching this or if you haven't hung up yet, etc., you're probably feeling that you are a bit more conscious than most people out there that have been indoctrinated by their... Um, chant learned uh, high school education system. So intuition for me is essentially it's the sixth sense. There are seven senses. So intuition is the sixth sense. The first five are sight, touch, taste, smell, and hearing. The sixth one is gut feel. And it happens, it's called gut feel because the electromagnetics of your body, which are the nerves, all actually come to a central point, which is about one inch behind your belly button, your dontian, and that's where it collects. So that's why you get butterflies when you ask somebody out on a date that, or when you maybe have to get up and give a talk or go for a job interview or pitch a big deal or something like that. But it's also where your intuition collects. So the process of intuition is saying, my body is telling me to go left or right. My body is telling me to say yes or no. My body is telling me to wait a little bit longer before I commit. It's, it's that process of getting to trust your body because those um, that nervous system, which is your electromagnetic system, which if you listened to my last call last month, which is one of the four um, forces of nature, remember 12, 12 particles and four forces of nature, electromagnetics, is one of those four forces, along with gravity and the, the strong force and the weak force. Electromagnetics is one of the things that connects us universally around the world and allows that intuition to come in. So uh, Sahar just put up the link now for people who want to grab that. Rowan, if you don't accept the education and training, then it will be useless. So you have to be intuitive enough to want to gain value and realise that you can gain value from the education and experience. Uh, I like what you're saying. I want to fine-tune it from my perspective, not to denounce what you're saying in any way or shape, Rowan, but you have to accept the education and training that you have and understand it so that you can intuit what to use and what not to use from it. And probably the biggest way, uh, example I can give here is two different medical doctors. Dr. A went all the way through medical school and did all the practical and got an A in his class or her class. And Dr. B did the same thing, but they're using intuition. And a patient goes to one of them and says, doctor, I've got this certain set of symptoms. And Dr. A will go, right. So based on my education and training, it narrows it down and it must be this. And Dr. B says, based on my education, training and intuition, I actually think it's that. So, you know, it's all about backing yourself and deciding which side of this ledger you're going to lie on. Are you going to lie on the, the love side, the hate side, the black side, the white side? Where are you going to sit here? Let's jump into Pythagoras now. Um, I'm going back a few years here. This is two and a half thousand years. 
Um, most people think Pythagoras was a mathematician, so I want to dispel that myth for a start. I mean, he was a philosopher fundamentally, and uh, he created the Pythagorean Academy, which had two schools, the Acoustica and the Mathematicoi. The Mathematicoi studied maths, the Acoustica studied music. Einstein said that the only two pure sciences on the planet were maths and music um, 2,000 odd years later. So here's the interesting thing. Pythagoras valued music stronger than mathematics. He's known for maths because of the triangle we all had to study in school. And no, I didn't really understand it at school either. But music is actually what he is much more profoundly known for. And at the Pythagorean Academy, the music, the acoustica, who were the musicians, they were actually the boarders that lived in the academy and they were vegetarians. The mathematicoi were basically the people that came in every day and then went back to their homes and they could eat whatever they want. So the, the strongest part of his academy was the acoustica. And to become part of the acoustica, you had to do the journey across the Rainbow Bridge, which as a couple of people on this call, particularly Sahaja and Shazan know, is seven days on red food, seven days on orange food, seven days on yellow food, following the rainbow until you had done your 49 days and then you could move in to being a full vegetarian and learn the secrets of philosophy, music, and then mathematics there. So that was Pythagoras. And I wrote a book on my journey with Pythagoras back in 2013. I pulled it down off... Um, off uh, Amazon now, because I'm actually in the throes of rewriting it. I'll put it up in the next couple of years again. Um, once I finish it, it's not a priority for me at the moment, but it is a really interesting background because I studied him. I went to the site of the Pythagorean Academy of the museum. I talked to the curators and everything back in 2013. And, and I literally wrote this book about this journey that I had and what I learned from Pythagoras. So I'm gonna share a little bit of that with you today. So to give some premise to this, there are these four uh, processes that we go through in our head. I see some comments there, but I'll come back to those after we cover through this. So there's some uh, four basically processes we go through. Firstly, we think of something. So we have a thought. Then that thought generally takes some sort of preparation. Then after that preparation, we do some type of action, which means that we get a, a result from that thought. And what Pythagoras did all those years ago is he basically said that, you know, everything follows a series of vibrations. Now, remember that in terms of um, us, all matter comes from light and all light comes from sound. So sound is the basis of everything. So the rules of sound are the basis for me being able to pick up my pen, create this presentation and be able to talk to you today. So with that in mind, Pythagoras basically came up and said there is a system for the way, and we would call them universal rules of the way the world works. Then in the late 1800s, a guy called John Dewey in America studied Pythagoras and started the Dewey schools in the US. Um, Natasha, you may have even heard of them. They're big schools in the US, Philadelphia, I think, although I may be wrong on that. I might have to go back and look at that one. But um, there's a Dewey High School, a Dewey University, that was based on a lot of the work of Pythagoras and some of the fundamental. And then in, in the 1970s, a guy in uh, New Zealand called Ray Toombs took the work of Dewey and the work of Pythagoras and applied it to the financial markets and business cycles and stock markets of the time. And he realized that there was a certain process that businesses went through, a certain, um, if you like, uh, code 
that they did that created success for them or not. And he could actually plot when markets were going to crash and when markets were going to go up. And he did that based on the biggest thing in the 70s, which was the oil crisis. So I'm going to take you through this process. I'm going to show you what we call the scale of success, which is based on the work of all of the people that I mentioned, Pythagoras, Dewey, and Ray Toombs. And I'm going to show you how that reacts to these four things here. And I'm only going to cover the four, first four processes of the scale of success, just because it will be so um, intrusively mind-blowing, I think, if we try and cover all of them in today's call. And this is something for those of you that are connected with us in Circle of Excellence, you can access this content at any, any time. It's, uh, it's sitting there inside Circle of Excellence. Okay, so this is the scale of success. These are the four, sorry, the eight things. You look down the, the left-hand quadrant here and I'll read them out to you. If you're listening to the audio. Um, a business has to start with an idea and then that idea moves into a brand and then that brand gains a team and then that team gains partnerships, which help uh, leverage that brand. And then from those partners, that business creates equity. And then from equity, it goes into acquisition mode. Then from acquisition, the cash flow taps really turn on. And then what is created here is a system. And that system can be replicated again and again and again. So if you, if you take a, so any business, and I'll give you a, the idea of a franchise, um, for instance, a franchise might start with an idea. Hey, I want to cook fried chicken. And then we're going to have a brand around it, Kentucky Fried Chicken, now KFC. Then there's a team. Colonel Sanders can't just do that by himself. Then there's a team. Then there's partners that come in, franchise experts, lawyers, accountants, et cetera, to help that expand. First franchise is a sold business creates tremendous equity. Now we're going to acquire. We're going to acquire different territories. We're going to move into Canada. We're going to move into Australia. We're going to move into Europe, et cetera. This is where the cash flow taps really turns on because this is a system now. And now that we have this system, all we have to do is fine tune the system down to how many seconds a, a French fry has got to be in there and, and how much sprinkles have got to go on it. And this can be um, multiplied across the world and there's no need for Colonel Sanders to turn up to his office anymore. That's a really um, you know, simplistic way of giving you that example. But that's an example of a business that's been through really seven iterations of this because every iteration of the scale of success is a spiral. So let's, uh, let's jump into our dynamics now. And as I said, we're only going to look at the first four of these. So I want to start up the top here with the idea. So those of you that have worked with Lundy and I personally on the call will always tell you to spend a lot of time focusing on the idea and refining the idea and doing it, the thinking of this is some sort of opportunity analysis in your own mind, your own research. So before you're going to launch your blueprint for X, Y, and Z, what's the research that you're going to put into this? Then from that research, there needs to be preparation done. So I always find with an idea, some of the best preparation can be done on social media because let's face it, how many people do you see that launch ideas that people just go, mm, whatever, and never buy it or never engage it? So I'll give you a very good example. Um, you know, uh, Rowan, you've just recently put out uh, to the people on social media, uh, you know, you're bringing out your new book, which cover do people like best? This is really good way of preparation dynamic in the idea phase. So you're going to social media and saying, hey, 
here's three options of what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I've done my opportunity analysis. I know that this is going to fly, but how's it going to look? Let's ask my, my fans, my crew, my people that know me best, and you're getting feedback from that. That's a great way to do it. Now, the action dynamic then is to bring people into a focus group. So a refined uh, group of people, you know, people that are, you know, all the personality profiles, the analyst, the, um, the pleaser, the um, entertainer, social person, and the, the powerful, aggressive person as well. Bringing all of those people from different aspects of your life, not just people who love you, because then they'll just tell you everything's great. But, you know, we always bring our accountant in the focus group because his first question is, well, how's this going to make money? Okay, so, um, you know, getting those people in a focus group so that they can really refine your idea. And then the result of this idea is that you're either going to go, this isn't going to work and I should be spending my time doing something else, stop, or this is looking good, go, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to launch it. Okay, now the second, uh, second part of the scale of success is branding. So the thought dynamic around this is what I call the party chat. And this is the party chat. Um, and, you know, we spend a lot of time working with people on refining their brand. But the party chat is this. You're, you're literally at a party, a braai, a barbecue. Somebody says, what are you up to now? And you say, oh, I'm thinking of launching a new set of, uh, you know, um, marker pens called Penflex. So Penflex, right? And people go, oh, I get it. So it's a series of highlighters. Yes. Oh, that sounds good. Great. Okay. So then you've got the thumbs up in the party chat. But if you go to a party and you say, well, people say, what are you doing? You say, I think you're doing a series of highlighters called Penflex. And they go, that's great. I've got to go get a beer. Then something's not working with the brand, right? The brand's not attracting. So if you're talking to bunches of people, and this is one of the best ways you can do it, go to a, go to a shopping center where your potential clients hang out because there's a, a large traffic of people coming in and out. And everybody that looks like a potential client to you Ask them, can I ask you a quick question? So I'm not selling you anything. I just need 30 seconds of your time. Can you, I'm doing a new um, highlighter pen. Uh, can you tell me which of you, these brands you would probably be the most attracted to? Get them to tick the one out of five. Once you've done a couple of hundred of those, you've pretty much got your party chat done, okay? Then the preparation dynamic is to work out your mission, vision, and values. But actually it's vision, then mission, and values or actually it's values, then vision, then mission, to be quite honest. But the way people say it is mission, vision, and values. So in other words, really building those behind your brand. Your action dynamic is to go and study some of the best brands that really resonate with you. And if you've been on some of our branding calls, the question we ask is, if, if you your brand was a car, what sort of car would it be? So go and study Mercedes-Benz if you want to be a Mercedes-Benz. Go and study Bugatti if you want to be a Bugatti. Go and study you know, Holden, if you want to be a Holden or Chevrolet. And basically then look at what they're doing. Look at the imagery, the wording, the, 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 their key statements and things like that and start to look at how you can build that into your brand and then modify your existing brand away of building it or go, no, I'm on track and I'm going to move forward. That's the result. As you can see, this is why I'm only doing four of these today because it's quite, um, you know, quite a lot in this. And once we get, and pros plus, most of you on this call are not really heading in to the second part of the scale of success yet. You're moving through this first part in spiral one or spiral two. Team, 
Team is the third area of the scale of success. So your thought dynamic is not um, what CV should I have? It's really what profile should I have in my team? So if I want to keep it down to four profiles here, um, and I use Ali Mooney's profiles, a good friend of ours, peaceful, playful, powerful, and uh, precise. Peaceful, playful, powerful, and precise. So Lundy is a playful. I'm a powerful. So our newest team member that starts next week, she is a peaceful. We have another team member who is a precise. So we're trying to get, there's no point in us all being powerfuls here. There ain't enough room for it. Yet most people tend to attract like into their team. So they end up with somebody might have the right CV, but if they're the same profile as you, it's not going to work. So give some thinking to the, to the, the team mix and having the best team mix. Preparation dynamic is the environment. You know, 83% of people that are currently in jobs are currently looking elsewhere, Forbes statistic. So if that's the case, what's the number one reason? And the number one reason is the environment in which they work is not the environment in which they were sold into. So your preparation, you have to create your environment to be great for your team and the right environment that you promised them when you brought them in, whether they're in-house or whether they're uh, contractors. The action dynamic is you've got to sell them on your big why. Your team have to be totally engaged in your big why. If they're not engaged in your big why, then they're going to fall away when times get tough or when somebody comes and offers them more money. And the result dynamic is you have to performance manage them. So they're not just going to performance manage themselves. Let's look at the fourth area here. And remember, you should take a screenshot or something like this if you, if you want to and if this resonates with you. So partners is the fourth area of the scale of success. So... The thinking is what qualities do you want in partners and what sort of relationship do you want to have? Is it a financial relationship? Is it simply a, a joint referral relationship? Is it a, an ambassador relationship? So what thinking through that? And then the preparation is what are the appropriate rewards for a partner? Is it, you know, um, increasing your price so there's a commission that you can pay a partner? Is it having... Um, regular golf days or lunches with your partner? Is that what turns them on? What is that preparation? And the action dynamic is looking at refining your why, the idea, the brand, and the team. So your big why behind you, and then the first three sections, scale of success, because what's going to attract partners is they're going to buy into your why, the, the refinement of your idea, the smartness of your brand and the greatness of your team. And that's why they're going to do business with you. And the result dynamic is you will leverage your business. So when you look at that, this is going to give you a great model based on the work of Pythagoras and a couple of others, including myself, of actually starting to think through your business. Let's go to the chat here and let's see here. Natasha says, intuition occurs to me as the spark that allows the education to have greater impact. Brilliant comment. Love it. Okay. Shazar, now lots of the docs are using software AI, which checks the symptoms, then tells them uh, what to do next. Absolutely. Bad problem, right? Bad problem. Um, Sahaja, circle of fifths is so mathematical, so much for me hating math. Oh, I'm, I'm blown away that you know what the circle of fifths is. Uh, thunder is intrusively mind-blowing. No, that can be true as well. So the circle of fifths is the basis of musical theory. So, um, and it's actually comes from, uh, circle of fifths comes from Isaac Newton, actually. So he was the one who originally came up with circle of fifths and it's a 
It's a music, it's what you learn fundamentally so you can understand all of the keys in music if you do music theory. And it's really mathematics. And, you know, I never liked maths as well, and I still don't understand the circle of fifths, which is why I play intuitively. Andrew, uh, on the continuum, where do you allow for change and improvement? Aha. So change and improvement, Andrew, uh, this is a great question. And uh, maybe I think it's the next slide may show you. Let's just jump in. Yes, it is this slide. So if we look down the bottom here, when you're a startup business, you're at a level one, you're a white belt in um, the scale of success. So basically what you have to do is you have to refine your idea, build a brand, do team partners, get some equity behind it, go into acquisition, build a little bit of cash flow, then try and systemize. Once you've sort of done that, then you're going to naturally spiral. And this is a spiral up to level two, which is settling. Okay. Now, if I look at your business itself, Andrew, um, you've gone past settling and you've you settled. Now you've tapped on us and you said, guys, I need your help to rebrand and upgrade. So you are actually, we're taking you through the whole of the level three here of the scale of success, which is, again, we're taking you back to the fundamental idea, the fundamental brand of Workplace Fundy, which is your company. Um, who's going to be on your team? Who are the right partners for you, et cetera? And then your next stage after this, which you'll notice if you look at the circle of excellence chart, the last three areas are basically um, automation, uh, team and lifestyle. That's area four here. That's the area of internal expansion. So circle of excellence really focal, focuses on from a level three entrepreneur to a level four entrepreneur. So we take them from two to four. That's where we're really targeting. And that's, uh, that's where you are. So that's the answer to your question. But once you go through internal expansion, and internal expansion is maybe uh, having people work for you. Um, and this is really where we are um, at the moment. We're in moving uh, four to five. So we're well into five at the moment. I wouldn't say we're all there, but we're into franchising, licensing, or the branch network. Um, and we don't, we're not doing branch network. We're choosing licensing out of those three ways. But, you know, um, McDonald's chose franchising, but, um, you know, a lot of real estate companies have branches. A lot of clothing companies have branches. So, um, so they go with branches. If you look in South Africa, for instance, Pep Stores is a branch network. So they're, re they're really level six, which is rebrand and upgrade. So they've gone through that branch network, gone through the rebrand, upgrade, internalization again. It's still using scale of success. It uses the exact same things. And really, then you get up to level seven, which is, I guess, where a, a pet store in South Africa is or where a virgin is or where an apple is. And, and that is, that's uh, the large, successful multinational. And so this is the process you go through. And the, the answer here and the key here is continual improvement, but it's spiraling up through these steps. Let's move on to the third thing I wanted to share with you today. And uh, this one probably is going to require some screenshots. And I really want to just get you thinking differently and get you thinking differently about your business from a more quantum physics point of view and a more spiritual point of view. Because on these weekly calls that we're doing, um, I'm doing 12 of these this year. So you'll see me once a month where I'm presenting on these calls. And I'm going to be presenting things that are a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more um, getting you to think differently. Mondays are much more practical. And then, of course, we have two guests a month. 
and uh, I'll be talking to you about our next guest at the end of this call. So let's move on from here. There's a secret code that sits behind this. And if you look at it, this is your PIN code. So if you look at, um, there's eight levels in, this, in the scale of success. So basically, um, idea, brand, team, partners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and if there's eight options in the sequence as well. So if you look at the first sequence there, if you just look where it says first, you have um, one thing that you can focus on when you're in that first level. And if you're focusing on the quality of the idea, if you do nothing more than focus on the quality of the idea, then you're going to hit that one in eight chance of success. If you start a business today and focus on just selling and making money, you're going to hit one of the seven in eight and probably fail, right? If you focus on building team before the ideas refine, you're going to fail. If you focus on um, building a system before the ideas refine, you're going to fail. So if you work on just the idea, you're going to go move forward. Once you've got the idea right and that's ticked off and you've got that, then now you're looking at the idea and the brand. You're in the second area. So if you refine the brand properly, you're going to be with the idea. You're going to be one in 64 that moves to that second level. And if you uh, I brand the team and the idea, then you're going to be one in 512 people that moves to the third level. Now, I don't want to confuse you with the math here, but I do want to, I've got a line under that fifth level. So, and this really works in sort of monthly figures, okay? So, you know, if you get the idea fight right, you might have sort of, um, you know, single figures per month. But once you get up to the fifth level there, you're going to have sort of five zeros behind it. So in the first level, you might make tens of dollars a month, then hundreds of dollars, then thousands of dollars, then ten thousands of dollars a month. So in the level five here, you're sort of anywhere between $10,000 a month in revenue and $99,999 in revenue a month. But once you're able to kick in that sixth level, with, which is acquisition, you're moving over the $100,000 a month level. And so that means, you know, you're going to be up over the million dollars in turnover, even if you're a small business consultancy area. But it's a matter of really focusing on each of those elements in the scale of success. Let's move on. Music and business. So all matter comes from light and all light comes from sound. So I just want you to think about that and then think about how it applies to your business from a musical perspective, which is a science. As Einstein said, music and mathematics, the only two sciences that are absolute. So if you take that on board and you're looking at well, you spend all of this time studying the numbers in your business and pricing and you know profit margins and all this number stuff. Why not study the music side of your business as well? I use this photo of me from 2007 here. Uh, this is actually, I'm on stage here in Singapore and I'm playing in the Climate Change Earth Fest, which was on the 7th of July, 2007. In 777. So that was one of those concerts where the Black Eyed Peas were, Duran Duran, Madonna, Cheryl Crow, there was a few others. You two were playing, not on the Singapore stage, they were on the London stages, etc. etc. Singapore stage was only about 3,000 people, but it was a fun gig. Um, so when it comes down to this, there are eight components that if you look at what is what is music made up of? 
Music is made up of eight components. And I want to give you these, maybe take a screenshot or write them down so you can think about these later on. So there's pitch in music. And we all know what that is because if we watched a singing competition, you'll see somebody who's you know out of pitch or off key. Your pitch is your key idea. So your pitch is what you are pitching. I am pitching improving your workspace. I am pitching executive coaching. I am pitching um, training, whatever you are pitching. The timber is the quality of your voicing. So that's why when, um, when uh, what was the band that came out with Sounds of Silence, so you'll know him with the ball guy, he came out and he had that really deep, rich voice and he did Sounds of Silence. Um, you know, the reason why he went to number one was not because the song was great, because it was already a great song from Simon and Garfunkel, but when he did it, it was the quality of his voice that made that number one. Thanks, somebody's going to give it to me. Um, Simon and Garfunkel are oh, very funny. And I thought you were going to tell me who the band was, Andrew. But uh, <laughs> Garfunkel, that's very cool. So, um, the melody is, oops, let's go back. The timbre is the quality of the voicing. The rhythm is the vibe that you create. And your business needs to have rhythm. And one of the ways you can do that if you're in a practical, disturbed, thank you, Rowan. Um, one of the ways in which you can do that is in a practical sense is have some vibes going on while you're working. Now, if you're working solo, I would not suggest that you um, that you have anything with lyrics going on. It just it's too distracting. So, for instance, if you come to the Octopus House, we have a playlist that goes for about six hours there, which is sort of like this acid jab, cool chill lounge vibe, and it's designed there so you've sort of got a groove as you're working, and it's not loud. It's simply in the background. It's simply there. It's a vibe because it creates a rhythm in business. And everybody's business has a rhythm. If you look at somebody's business as frantic, that's a rhythm. If you look at somebody's business as almost dead, that's a rhythm as well. Volume is the noise you make in the marketplace. So if you look at people like Frank Kern or Russell Brunson or those sort of guys, they're making a lot of noise in the marketplace. They've turned up the volume. But some of you, the noise you're making in the marketplace is like, like a mouse noise. So you have to think about the volume and the noise that you're making in the marketplace as well. Um, then there's harmony, which is your relationships. And so, you know, if you can improve your relationships, you will create more harmony. So those relationships are internal and external within your business and outside your business, customers, suppliers, etc. The melody of your business is its individual sweetness. It's almost like that hook in the business, that with or without you or that obla di, obla da type of feel that you can only get from your business. And I know that we have a certain melody in our business and I know why that attracts and detracts from other people. We're not trying to please everybody. We're looking for the people who are attracted to that melody. Texture is the next level. That's layering. That's the layers of your business and making sure they're in sync and locked. Customer relationship management would be a texture thing in your business, and that's layering. That's just making sure that when you when you're recording a song, that the bass guitar and the and the kick drum 
uh, in sync with each other. Because I can tell you, if anybody records and they're out of sync, you're immediately going to disassociate with that song. It's not going to work for you. So your layering of your business has to be right as well. And tempo is the pace of your results. Fast tempo, running, fast paced, slow tempo, trying to get there in a more sustainable fashion. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Make sure you take a, a screenshot of that. Now, I'm interested to jump into any comments that you've got or anything that you would like to share um, or feelings that you have. Um, feel free to stick up a hand or um, open up for chat. Whilst you're thinking of that, I just want to thank everybody for being on the, the call today. And I want to also acknowledge people listening to this call and watching it later that this is a very, very different way to think about your business. And for many of you, you could fall into the trap of saying, hey, this is not the way I actually want to think about things. Um, and I, I, I don't want to do it this way. I'm going to do it the old school academic numbers way. I think we're in a new world. I don't think things are black and white now. I think we have to look for higher laws that are really the laws that the way the world has worked before human beings came on and gave us academics and systems. Um, and I think uh, for that, uh, turning away from the natural laws at the moment wouldn't be a good thing. Philippe, I see your hands up. Fire away, please. Yeah, um, I, I like the analogy in business and, you know, the, the music and the scale and everything. Um, my question is, do you consciously do that or do you just observe what's already there and then try to put a frame on that? What's, what's, what's the start of the journey there? I think it's a fantastic question. I think if you consciously did it to start with, like if you took your business and looked at it from a scale of success point of view, even just those four things, or you um, downloaded the whole chart and looked at it again, and if you looked at that slide, on that slide, it, it actually gives you a place to rate yourself at a 10 in that area. Any area that you're not like an 8 out of 10 at, you're probably, what it's going to do is it's going to dumb down the area, the next area. So to go back and do that and actually do it as a very practical example, I think is going to help you. And because uh, I like practical spirituality, I don't like fluffy spirituality. So when I gave you the eight basis of music there, you know, go and, again, go and rate yourself. So what's the quality of your voicing in the marketplace? What would you give yourself as a rating? What's the volume at the moment? You know, literally look at a volume and say, is my volume turned up? You know, I'm a guitar player. I like my volume at about, I don't like it at 10. I like it at about eight, right? So, but I, I definitely think our volume in the marketplace over recent years has been about a three. And Lundy and I have been talking about turning that up to about a seven over the next couple of years. I think we'll probably do, or we'll probably move forward in that. So using that more practically, and when you use that more practically, Philippe, I think what it'll do is it'll help make it more ingrained in who you are. So it'll naturally become more part of you as well. So I hope that helps. Thank okay, you. let's see some comments there. Thought-provoking. Thank you, Natasha. Uh, I'm interested in the aspect, Shazad, this is you. I'm interested in the aspect of sound before light. When we hold the light, perhaps we could be holding the sound. Um, well, when you hold the light, you're at a vibratory level where you're holding a certain color of light. So if you think of somebody who's angry, Shazar, and in a rage, okay, 
they're holding light, but the light they're holding is red. Okay. They're in that base chakra survival, you know, that type of thing. But if you look at, um, you know, if you look at some of the gurus in India, they're holding light at the indigo and violet. Um, you know, one of the people I know, Landy watches a lot of his videos is Sad Guru. And, um, you know, Sad Guru has some really interesting perspectives on the world at the moment. Um, but they're all, they're all very, very, very uh, violet, not violent, violet in the light from which they come from. So I think it's a, the way of which you're holding the light as well. Okay, love the music analogy. Thanks, Chantel. Uh, loved all the musical analogies. Thanks, Sahaja. Thank you, Rowan. Diane, thanks so much, Mike, running now. I've looked at the level of success and what's needed for my clients. This is so important to know where you're going. Uh, Mike, did you describe last week on how to access your I Ching profile? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't do that. There are some, some things online you can do, Sahaja, to do that. Uh, secret code slide is a powerful metric. You know, it is. I've, I've run over it today, Natasha, just quickly to get you to think about it. All I'm trying to do is get you to think about things and trigger things in your own imagination that you can follow up. But it is very much a powerful metric. And so many people go, why is my business stuck making several thousand dollars a month as a coaching business? Why can't I crack 10 grand a month? Or why can't I crack 20? The, the fact is, once you crack 10 regularly, you can track 50, you can crack 50 because it's really the same philosophy. You just got to fine tune, fine tune, fine tune it. Um, okay, let's go on. Andrew, thanks for that food and very practical. Uh, I have to run now. Okay, I think we all have to run. We're right on the time. So thanks everybody for listening in today. Bye you all. Lots of love to everybody listening and on the call. And we'll see you next week uh, on this when we're going to be talking intellectual property and how to protect your intellectual property. Bye everyone.